Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Snowboard Instructor Podcast. Hope everyone is enjoying the season so far, especially on the south side, and everyone is getting ready for the winter to come. This episode we have Stu Irons on the pod. I was lucky enough to meet him in Tux last season and asked if he did want to be on the podcast. He's a great instructor and a great coach working his way through the level four pathway. He's also an absolutely insane rider in the park with back-to-back seasons under his belt. This episode is partnered with Basie. Looking to become a snow sports instructor and become part of the industry you love? The British Association of Snow Sports Instructors can give you the qualifications and knowledge to carve your own career in the snow sports industry and work with some of the most amazing resorts around the globe. To become an instructor, search Basie or go to basie.org.uk. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode. See you on the next one. Hey. <laughs> <How are you? laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I, I was in chaos. I we went down from the mountain and we went there's like a bit you can go swimming like in Meyerhofen and oh, I was like, should we go there? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And I was like there and then I was like I need to be home in like half an hour. <laughs> it's all good, man. Take your time. I was like trying to go get some, I had to go like get some air, an airdrop of some Instagram clips that I needed to post no. because Tyrell, the like left pass is done for my yeah. half and so I have to get like a media ticket from Tux. Uh, okay. I, I need to post something tonight on Instagram in order to make sure I get one tomorrow. Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So that's yeah. been, that's been hectic then for you today, mate. How was your day anyway? Pretty good. Yeah. Good day. Good was finally nice again it's been like wintering again for like two weeks but the sun came out so went for a session how about you readjusting yeah, to england oh mate i'm like non-stop so after i got back from tooks i've just been constantly filming so it's been just here there and everywhere in the uk and it's been it's been pretty hectic so um yeah i just had like today's kind of been a rest day a bit so it's been it's been good to actually have like a, a chillax for once and just like you know just chill because yeah it's been ridiculously non-stop um fingers it'll die down a bit but then it'll usually summertime gets pretty busy anyway with with the kind of work i do so it's all right it's not bad what, what do you do over summer I'm a filmmaker by trade, so I do like um, so like movies, like Hollywood movies, or for like, <laughs> more like com- more more, com- more commercials and dramas more than anything because it's commercials are pretty easy to get good money and you can get some creative stuff out of it, and then yeah. the odd drama or two. But um, yeah, it's been good. It's been um, that's kind of like my my gigs, whether I do lighting or camera, like that's kind of what I do. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's why I'm quite a whiz with tech when it comes to, like, filming and all that photography. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah, cool. Thanks for being on the pod, man. Last minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Super. No, I was thinking, like, just when when works, and I was like, uh, if I don't do... I was like, if you'd said two days ago, like, yesterday I had nothing on. I could, yeah. I'd have been free the whole day. And then this week, I'm in like, because today and tomorrow are the two sunny days. So I'm like, yeah, you gotta go. And then my mum gets here, and then I go to Bali and then straight to Oz. And I was like, we should probably just do it while we've got a chance. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Honestly, that's great. Thanks so much for like the last minute thing. And um, yeah, it was kind of just working around you. Uh, no, but yeah, as, as you, as you, yeah, no worries. And how's your mum? Was she coming down tomorrow then? Like, yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Family? Nice. Does she snowboard or ski? No. Oh, nice. So she's going to just enjoy the sights. Yeah. 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 I've, I've tried. I, one year I managed to get her to strap in and do one run on like, like on like a field in my office. Yeah. My, on my board in my boots, which don't fit. <laughs> yeah. The idea of me taking her to somewhere suitable, like a nursery slope with fitting gear and help teaching her. She's having none of, but <laughs> I talked to her into doing like one run and it was like kind of like half pow in town. And she like didn't want to try side slip because it was like too deep. And she just kind of went straight until she fell over. And she was like, see, I fell over. It hurts. I told you I didn't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. I'd like you. That is exactly the same with my parents. Like they're like, they come from a, not a snowboarding background. So they try it and they're like, Oh, this is this is not our, this is not our thing, <laughs> but they'll come they'll come for the sights though, which is good. Um, so, yeah, the, the only is is she staying a couple of days then? I'm guessing or, um, well, I leave after two days. They're coming. They're going to do like a little Europe holiday, and they just oh, timed it. The, they fly into Munich, which is like two hours drive from my office, so where I live. So they were like, we'll come before you leave and see you for two days and then um carry on with their trip and i'll go off and do my thing that's lovely man are they are they ever thought about coming over to australia to see you on one of the seasons at all or is it mainly just uh, i don't think so they've both been to australia because we i mean we'll get we'll maybe get onto this when we yeah get on to how i got into snowboarding and stuff but like we used to live abroad for quite a, and we lived cool. in like Asia for a while. So when we lived there, like we did a couple family holidays to Australia. Yeah. But um so they've been to Australia, but I I think that might be a bit far. I mean they normally they don't normally come here. They come maybe every few years they come here and yeah. they try and go home at least once a year these days. But since Brexit it's definitely been less. Yeah. That makes sense. But it seems you guys have quite a, a good travel mind, you know. Some families don't really have that. Um, and they kind of want to stick to the one thing. So that's really cool. But you, you know what, man? You've just helped me lead on to the first question, which is great. So, like, talk to me. How did you start snowboarding, Stu? How did you become to this, like, freestyle extraordinaire that I see uh, in front of me, man? Um, so we used to live overseas when I was a kid when we... When I was three, we moved to France. We lived in France five years. And then when I was eight, we moved to Singapore. And then we lived there till I was 13. And then we moved back to Scotland, like Aberdeen, where I'm from. Um, And basically the whole time we lived in France, obviously like French people go skiing, it's kind of the dumb thing. And I was into like rollerblading and these sort of things. And I was like, I want to go skiing. That sounds awesome. Like I would love snow as a kid. Like, so I was like, this sounds like the best thing ever. And my parents don't ski and (laughs) they were just having none of it. And I was like, never got to go, but always wanted to. And then when we lived in Singapore, the school I went to used to do like 
an optional school summer trip. Like uh-huh. when yeah. it's summer school holidays, it's actually Australian winter. Yeah. So Australia from Singapore, it's still long. It's like an eight-hour flight, but it's one of the closer places to go skiing and it links mm. up with school holidays. So there was like a school ski trip that you could go on. And I was wow. like, okay, this is the chance. Like you guys don't have to come. I could go. And they were like, I talked them into it. Um, <laughs> so, but I actually skied for that week. Um, and I had a sick time and didn't get a chance to go skiing again after that for a while and then the last year we lived in singapore i mm. got into skateboarding through like one of my mates and at the point we moved back to scotland when i was 13 my parents were looking for things for me to do over summer because mm. i didn't know anyone i hadn't lived there since i was mm. three and my mom did some googling and she saw there was a dry ski slope and she was like oh you like that skiing like in australia would would you want to do they used to do like summer holiday camps she was like would you want to do that and i was like yeah yeah but and i didn't know about freestyle skiing at the time but i was mm. like could i snowboard because i want to do tricks like i do on my skate yeah and she was like yeah sure like whatever um and then i did like a week snowboarding camp at the dry slope it was like three hours i think it was in the mornings yeah um, and actually ironically barry parker was my last yeah. snowboard instructor which i think you found out in, probably in tux last week yeah he was like just he was just the guy doing the doing the lessons and obviously i had a really good time and then they do like kind of block lessons like i guess most of the snow domes do where you can go for like an hour or two once yeah. a week so i got booked into some of those and eventually made it to the sort of sunday club freestyle mm. um and then eventually that evolved to wednesday night freestyle which was kind of for the better people yeah but that was also when like the adults had like rail night or whatever you'd nice. call it. So I've got really bad hay fever. I'm just that's like, fine. It's <laughs> all good. I got the same mix. Um so yeah, did the like snowboarding at the dry slope and like first year I was pretty into it, then the second year I kind of fizzled out a bit. I had maybe six months off and mm. then I came back and there was a like I can't remember who'd been coaching it because Barry was doing it originally and then he mm. went to Japan and then somebody else was coaching it. I think it was a couple of different people. And then like I came back from kind of having fizzled out for a few months. And the first day I came back was, I don't know, do you know Nicole Payton? Uh, the name rings a bell, but I don't think yeah. I remember. That so yeah. He was coaching it and he got me like super hyped. Like, I don't know, like he made me realize that like, and I was at that age where, like, at school, you're trying to do, like, you go to trampolining in the school, yeah. in school and you're, like, trying to flip off the trampettes and stuff. And he kind of made me realize that I could do, like, a side flip, which mm. only front flip, like a tame dog. Yeah. And I was like, wait, like, I'm good enough to be, like, learning flips. And it was like, I'd done a couple 360s on the tiny jump, but it was, like, wasn't unreasonable. And I kind of realized, like, okay, I could do this. And I think 
he was there maybe one week or two weeks and then he was like come to the wednesday session as opposed to the sunday mm. and the people on the wednesday were way more into it there was way more rails whereas the sunday was more like a sort of social thing yeah he convinced me to come to Wednesday. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. And he was kind of like, I'll be honest with you. The first week, you're going to be the worst one there. But if if you like come give it a try, like I'm sure you'll love it. Everyone's really nice. And I went to the Wednesdays and I never looked back after that. Like uh, then I was there, like I'd be there on Wednesday. Then I'd go again, sometimes on Sunday either to the club or just afterwards they had like a public mm. session Friday night used to be like members right so it was at half price and I was like trying to go as much as possible and this was when I was like 15 and mm. then obviously when maybe 14 turning 15 and then like when you're in school you could do like the Duke of Edinburgh thing and yeah you know, convinced me that was a good idea and you have to do like volunteering and technically the Aberdeen dry slope is a charity yeah, so okay. I yeah. Out that if I worked in like ski hire or whatever, like because I was too young to get a job there, mm. I was like, if I do it for my volunteering, then when I turn 16, they'll probably give me a job. Yeah. So I did like, I don't know, six months or whatever, volunteering, helping out in the ski hire. And then I got a job work, just working in ski hire. Yeah. And then and that same time when I was like 16, that's when I got into coaching. Nice. So they did uh, the UK, like the UK CP level one course, which was like, like a kind of coaching based, like freestyle based mm. qualification, but you didn't need a Basie one to do that or whatever. You could just go on. Yeah. Yeah. And it just happened to be that that's kind of what came up. And I was like, sweet. And that was Ben Kinnear ran that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because he used to do some of the freestyle coaching at the Aberdeen Dry Slope at the time. Nice. So he was kind of based there. And me and a couple of my mates booked on and did this course. And then after that, like that Wednesday freestyle session kind of got split around this time. They were trying to structure things kind of mm-hmm. sort of been 2014-ish, like mm-hmm. the Olympics kind of coming in. And they kind of tried to put a bit more structure in and they kind of made five to seven was mm-hmm. the younger kids. And then from seven till nine was kind of the older kids. Uh, nice, so yeah. I then got into like, I would shadow and it was normally Ben doing the coaching oh. for the younger kids and kind of got to help out a bit, like get some practical experience coaching. And it was super chill because it was all the kids I rode with anyway that were a few years younger than me. Nice. And so that was kind of my getting my foot in the door coaching. Yeah. And how did you how did you find that like shadowing Ben and all that? Did you learn a lot and um, yeah, you really put like a sense of community out of it quite well there. Yeah, it was like really good because I got also partly confidence because it's like mm. you're 16, you've done a one week course, and you're like, do, do I know what I'm doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, obviously, I knew how the tricks worked, and I like, I've always been a very why person. So, like, I was the annoying kid at school, the teacher would be like, oh, two plus two is four and i'd be like why why yeah and but i mean the good thing from that from a snowball coaching point of view is like every time i learned a trick i was like oh why where should my arms be where should i look 
and mm. why, which meant everything was quite relatable. So it's like I'd learn one trick, I'd ask the coach why I was doing what I was doing. Mm. And then by the time I learned the next trick, I could kind of help myself, but I also understood what I was doing. Whereas mm. some of the more naturally gifted people I know just it's like, oh, I'm gonna do a back seven. And they mm. do a back seven. And I never had that. Like I yeah. had to work hard. So I normally had to figure out the 10 things you could do wrong. So when I kind of got into the coaching stuff, it was like the actual tricks part wasn't too bad, but it was just nice having like, I don't know, Ben's, I've always viewed Ben as a particularly good role model on organization, mm. communication, like structure, etc. So to like shadow him was really good because he was like, I'd see how he yeah. interacts with everyone, like, how much feedback he'd give me and it's something like i'm still working on he'd always mm. be like you give too much feedback let them do three laps see if they made the same mistake then maybe give them like a little prod in the right direction whereas my yeah. natural instinct is to be like oh you came off early because you looked over here yeah and maybe they just needed to do it a couple of times to get comfortable the idea yeah way. so it was definitely nice having somebody like really experienced kind of show me around but i think also and i think at the time i maybe didn't realize this as much but i kind of watched how ben dealt with speaking to parents Com mm. just communication and like generally being professional and like networking and stuff and i kind of was always like oh ben seems quite good at this and then like i kind of looked at it in hindsight and i was like like i should use ben as my role model on how to kind of mm. and it's just little things like i don't know like one of the first times he came to the dry slope and i didn't know him and he was still like the junior gb coach at the time yeah I, like, I knew who he was and he just came over he's like oh hey my name's ben i knew some of the british coaching like what's your name like are you, you <laughs> nice. but straight away like it made me feel super comfortable yeah. Compared to, we won't name any names, like other people skiing and snowboarding. Yeah. It's similar positions. Yeah. I've known, I've like seen on, on mountains or on dry slopes for 15 times. Yeah. And they've, I know who they are. They probably now know who I am. But mm. I, as a seven, 16, 17 year old, didn't know, but I didn't feel comfortable to be like, hey, I'm Stu. Like, yeah, I'm maybe one of the British team, like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Like, I know who you are. Hey, like, <laughs> whereas with Ben, it was like Ben came up to me and also just made me feel comfortable. He was like, oh, if you've got any questions. So I know, I've good, always looked at him as like a role model, particularly from that point of view, as like a coach. And I think shadowing him, I got to kind of watch mm. not only how he interacted with the athletes, but also just kind of nice checking in with people and being like oh how was your week at school like are you in a good mood today but then you suddenly yeah you got an idea of their arousal levels whether they should be maybe doing new stuff or maybe they've like all that kind of stuff i think like being able to get involved practically and watch somebody week in week out with athletes over a period of time mm -hmm. was really helpful and did you feel like um, that core crew was like quite tight knit as well um, in Aberdeen, or did you get it like was. some people come out, some people came in, and then 
kind of juggled around how was that that kind of overall crew you had um it definitely varied like obviously mm. there's always a bit of some people arrive and some people leave but mm. when i first got there i really felt like the scene was really strong and mm. loads of people and the uni scene was good like you the uni used to have that seven to nine was also kind of the better uni people's night no. and there'd just be like older people throwing down people like barry if they were back from their season and there was something to look up to and it was never that structured like the kind of they'd have a coach and like mm. But it was never like two, it was just like a session and you just wanted to be there and it's what everyone was. And you just you watched all the kids and you're like, they'd set up a rail and put the rail on like the landing of the small jump or something. And then it was kind of like, well, this is what everyone's riding this week. Yeah. Like, uh. Sometimes it was your coach or sometimes it was one of the older kids would kind of be like, ah, you got it. She'll be right. Yeah. Show you the speed or whatever. Um, and it was sick, uh, but I definitely feel like over time that seems kind of crept away. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe it's partly just perspective of like where you're at and what age you're at and when you first mm. rock up, you feel like there's this sick scene, but it definitely, everyone from Matt's like kind of talks about it, it kind of went a little bit downhill. And I think part of that was the, the uni stuff got moved and then the uni people no longer were there. And that was a mm. lot of the older people. And then it was like, as soon as the social aspect kind of came out for them, suddenly, like, then people are turning 17, 18. They're like, oh, like, oh, I'm going to go to the pub with my pants. Yeah, start like, drifting away, it. yeah. You see it in, like, all sports. But I also, I think, like, yeah, it just kind of got more formal because they then really moved it from what used to be kind of the coaching for the younger kids and then the free session mm. for Park. Then it was kind of like they made it two coaching sessions for the different ages and ability. And there were like 20 younger kids, particularly skiers. Like it was kind of, it was like kind of getting branded as like mm. a pathway program, which yeah. is great, but. And it's good that the structure and like I like structure in my snowboarding, but what I kind of feel is like sometimes it gets very structured. Yeah. It gets less fun or at least the social aspect goes. And then mm. same as you see with football, basketball, people become teenagers and they want to go chat to girls or yeah. go to house party. And it's like, if that, Wednesday snowboarding is your social thing and that's where you see your mates then you're going to keep coming but if mm. it's very much a sport you're more likely to kind of drift uh, and, but yeah I mean like obviously there's still a scene there but compared to like as I remember it like when I first went to Wednesdays I was like this is the beer and end all I was like all the big dogs are thrown down. Like, yeah, man. But it was sick because everyone, like, made you feel welcome. Like, even, like, I know, like, people I went to school with that I didn't really know from school or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know if you know, like, Grant Donald, like, skier. So he mm. was, I first went, he was, like, kind of one of the big dogs. And, like, nice. he went to my school and was, like, three years older than me and would never talk to me at school or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's kind of the same thing as I said about Ben. He came over, he was like, hey, my name's Grant. Like, you, I think you go to our school, don't you? Like, welcome to, like, Wednesdays. Like, nice. To have you here. Like, everyone was just, like, down to help each other out. There'd be a photographer down. Like, it was just, like, the scene was... Sick. At least it felt like to me it was new. Like this is the sickest thing. Yeah, and uh, I, I feel like now it's not quite. Yeah, like, there's still obviously people there, but the energy is not as much. Yeah, I feel like snowboarding as well. Like early two thousands, like really hit a peak with it, and then it's kind of declined in terms of not necessarily demand but community, especially. Yeah. Um, you know, and like you can see loads of like um communities and people are still trying to keep it going which is really cool to see um but yeah it's 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 interesting where it will go from there as a community aspect with snowboarding like we we want to like you know we want kind of want to keep it pretty um you know community based and focus based we don't want to make it too professional in a sense because then it just kind of loses that that kind of fun we all have with it um yeah it's just interesting but um Stu, after kind of Aberdeen, did you where did you kind of go from there? Did you have any plans after that, or was it kind of just kind of throwing out something out in the dark and seeing how it fits? Um, so this is all I'm. I'm like sixteen. I got a part time job. It worked out at the dry slope. Mm. But working in ski hire, I'm doing my little bit of shadowing. And with the Scottish school system, unlike the um english school system you can leave school when you're 16 17 or 18 like in england mm. but the exams that matter for uni in scotland are the ones you do when you're 17 not like your second last year of school because you yeah. have like gcse and then a two-year yeah like college or like a levels or something we usually have yeah, yeah. yeah. so you got a levels for like two years but we have hires and advanced hires so that a level split in half and mm. uni goes on your like fifth year like mm. your second last year at school results so if you do well enough second last year you're at school you can already have your place at uni nice um, so i who had during this time, gone on a ski snowboarding holiday to teen, mm. which is when Renell taught me. Nice. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's, with no intention, like so many people who are now busy trainers have over the years taught me it's like quite <laughs> mental. But I mean, like, I guess it's not all coincidence. Like, Renell was, I went and the school was recommended by nice. yeah. Nicole. Who's friends with Ben? Who yeah. knows? Small yeah. circle. Right? Like it kind of makes sense. It's a small <laughs> yeah. world. So I went to teen, and while I was in teen, I kind of figured out. Sorry, the story is going all over the place. But I figured out. I was like, "Whoa, this person, Renelle, has like the coolest job. Like she goes snowboarding and helps people do that. I like talking. I like snowboarding. Like this seems really sick." And I kind of viewed it as possible because it was in France. And I was like, I speak French. My parents mm. lived in France. Like, why can't I do that sort of thing? Mm. Um, so I was kind of talking to the school careers advisor and stuff. And he was like, no, oh, like, what do you mean you don't want to go to uni? Like, you, you're like, you've got straight A's. Like, what Like, what do you mean? Because I was quite like school and did all right in school. So it was like, 
And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to do any of the jobs that I need a uni degree for. Like, anyway, mm. So I made a deal with my parents that if I got my grades the year I was 17, instead of me being at school for another year, with no need to be there because I'd already got a place at uni, I was like, oh, if I get my grades, can I leave school, mm. do a season, and then I'll go back. The deal was I'll go back to uni for one year to try it. Because if they were going to give me a year before I was 18, I had to give the year back, mm. like by going to give uni a try. Because they they just wanted me to keep my options open. They weren't like opposed to me going to be a snowboard instructor. They just wanted my options mm. open. Um, yeah. So yeah, did that got my grades because I was motivated. Um, and then Ben sat down and spoke to my dad for a while. Um, he kind of recommended this gap instructor course with peak leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in SASFE from like September through to November. The idea being you had your level one and two before winter started. And for nice. me, I was still 17. It was like kind of an in-between step of kind of you're leaving school. You're still in a fairly structured environment the first two months. You get some food, mm. you've got classes, etc., and you're not completely on your own. So I think my parents felt better about that to start with. So I did this like eight or 10 week, whatever it was, like gap instructor course, which was really good. I mean, fairly pricey. And yeah. It's hard to say what what the world would have looked like if I'd done those courses without the training in between in terms of mm. both my technical knowledge, but also my riding. Because it was like, come from the dry slope, like I'd been working there and like, I'd ride five, like my parents live nearby. I'd ride five, six nights a week. Yeah. Like I didn't pay because I worked there. So like my park riding at this point was not bad. Like I was doing like sevens, like getting out easy. Yeah. I was pretty decent, but my mountain riding was terrible. I'd probably done like five days in Scotland on like club trips from Aberdeen. Yeah. And then, two weeks no three weeks by then on snow on like holidays mm. and it was like three weeks on snow is not a lot of time to like <laughs> be any good at turning so <laughs> like i don't know what the world would have looked like had i carried on and if i just done those courses yeah would i even have lost the level two probably not like, yeah so it's hard but i guess i look back on it as like in terms of giving advice to other people like do you need to spend that much and do it in a gap course environment or could you go do a level one in the dome maybe get a, a week mm. a few days tr- private training with somebody who's like a basic trainer yeah go away and work on that stuff and then set level two exam but what it definitely did offer was i spent a lot of time thinking about how turns work and watching somebody who was a level three examiner not a level three examiner sorry a level three like 
yeah. somebody who got the level three. Yeah. But like having somebody who knew what they were doing, running through exercises, why mm. we were doing. And I'm sat watching these people that I also on this course and I'm like, okay, that person's mm. making that mistake. They're getting this exercise. And you obviously you're talking about it and you you're talking about teaching theory and like I've always felt like people talk about like preparing lesson plans for yeah. I'm always a bit like, yeah, like you get don't <laughs> like I do not do a structured lesson plan. I'm like, I want to teach this. Like yes, these are I'm kind of in my head thinking like these are probably the three, five things I'm expecting to see go wrong. And I've got some idea kind of what I might do. In my head, yeah. but I'm not like sat there like we're gonna do this exercise. We'll do two runs. We'll give this feedback. Like I don't really plan them, and I don't know if half part of that is probably because I'm a Y person. So I understand when I'm given an exercise or I find out about an exercise, I ask why. Like why are we doing this? Why is that helping? Yeah, etc. But I also think probably I'm not giving enough credit to I spent two months in that environment watching somebody give different people different exercises for what reason and then it starts to come more naturally so maybe maybe i'm not giving enough credit to the gap course process mm. in terms of what that does for your overall understanding like in general as opposed mm -hmm. to like yeah if you just did the course would you have as much time to go into that yeah it's 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 tricky one because you you I've had people come up to me and like, what was the best way to kind of, you know, do these qualifications? And like, sometimes I recommend gap courses. Sometimes I recommend how I do it, where it was just train and then just do your, uh, you know, do your qualifications when when you when you're ready. Um, but yeah, it's it's I think it's all down to like what you want out of it, right? Like, do you want like a great experience where you can, you know, find new friends and be with them and have this this lifestyle that you've not been been like on before and kind of going straight into it so i can see the appeal for gap seasons but then also like if you're not you know dead rich or like dead uh, or don't have the um the money to do so then i can understand you know you know smash it in the dome smashing in the in the dry dry slopes and you know you can kind of figure out where you are from there and and then and then go and do it as long as you've got the connections available I think that's the main key for that, right? Um, to kind of help you move forward. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I, for level three, I did that. I mm. I booked to do one of Lewis and Vico's training courses and I knocked myself out the day before it. <laughs> on the parking class. So I didn't do it and I'd already booked the exam at the end of the season and that was in November. And mm. I could have booked a pre-course the week before the exam but that's never made any sense to me to, mm. like i'm a believer in like and i recommend this like if i teach normal lessons and people are mm. like should i get another lesson i don't think ski schools always particularly like it but i'm like no don't come back tomorrow yeah just ride like ride <laughs> or like ride this afternoon or tomorrow on your own and then come back yeah and for sure. you've got a chance to like work on what you've done and it's the same like for me to do like a prep course for a basey three the week before you sit a basey three mm. there's already so much mental like you're going to get so much information while you're doing the course the last thing you need is to get flooded with information the week before and have no time to work on it like 
Yeah. So I didn't want to do that. So I just was like, well, I've already booked the exam. I didn't get to do the pre-season, like the November week course that I booked to do with like Lewis. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll just. Right. It (laughs) It worked out. But yeah, I mean, we could go more into that when we talk about, I saw on your list of things you kind of want me to talk about was level three exam experience. Well, let's, so, let's, let's go and talk go about it. We're in the flow of it. Um, yeah. yeah, like how did you find your level three exams? Like uh, I'm guessing your one and two were all good. Um, but then, of course, that was that there's usually like quite a big step, especially like the old level three for sure. Like uh, how did you kind of get into it and like, you know, talk about that for me, man? Um. Okay, well, if, I'm, I'm going to jump back a tiny bit. Go so, for it. All good. Because otherwise I feel like nothing's, nothing, it's going to yeah. like not make sense. So You want to set up? Gap, gap course, did the gap course in um, Sasfe, like fun, pre-season. Yeah. And that finished in November. And then I hadn't managed to get a job for winter yet. Mm. Um, but I'd got a couple of friends who'd done seasons in Meyerhofen. <laughs> and I had a couple of friends who were going to do a season in Meyerhofen. And one of them was like in my office and had rented an Airbnb for the week to look for a longer term to come. Nice. So I was like, well, I don't have a job anywhere. I've just got a level two. The park in my office is sick. I'm going to get on the train to my and go mm. sleep on this guy's floor that I know who's ready to go to an Airbnb that I'm friends with. And we'll look for accommodation together. Right. And at the same time, I'll go around the seven ski schools in my half. And I was like, I'll go around. And I was like, worst case scenario, somebody's going to give me work for the peak. Yeah. I was like, surely somebody will take me. So I went around and then what the ski schools in my half. And were like, they, I said something about having like a UKCP one. And I was like a freestyle coach. And they were like, oh, like, so you're like pretty decent. I was like, yeah, yeah. And they were like, sweet. Like, we'll take you for the busy weeks. I then uh, tore my AC joint before the season, like riding in tux because tux is open, like hinge tux is half an hour from my half. Um, mm-hmm. So the glacier was still open. So I went up there for a couple of days because the season hadn't got underway yet. And then I tore my AC joint. So then I had to take like a month or two off. So obviously I lost, kind of lost my job, but they ended up giving me, once I was back, they still had some busy weeks. So they gave me a bit of work here and there. And then I kind of got the relationship with them and I done a bit of work like on snow Mm. teaching, which was good. Went back to Aberdeen for the summer, worked at the dry slope did much coaching stuff there. And then that spring as well of that season, I was in my half and I did the mountain safety course for level mm. three. Um, and then it would have been the end of that. Yeah. Then I went to uni for a year. Nice. Uh, spent a bunch of time in Morsey in that year. Um, whenever I basically, whenever I didn't have mm. uni, I had mates in Morzine, so I bought a season pass. Popped over there, yeah. Tried to get as much time on snow, and then I worked a bunch at the dry the dry slope of the university I was going to across the road. So smashed in a heap of beginner lessons at the dry slope, and I nice. got 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 some hours in. Um, and then the Aberdeen Freestyle Club 
had got like a kind of coaching thing that they were taking the kids up on the weekends mm. from time to time to the Scottish mountains. So I managed to get involved with that. And that was kind of the first experience I got with doing on snow, like what I would say is more coaching than instructing. Yeah. Like, it's the same kids that would come on the Wednesdays that I'd been shadowing and stuff. And I was then coaching them on the Wednesday on the dry slope. If there was snow, nice. we'd go up on the weekend. So I kind of got to like watch them learn to ride on snow and help That's out good. with that, which was cool. And then, yeah, I kept like over the summer, like got involved with a few things, like help Ben out with. There was like a couple of like dome camps and dry slope kind of British team camps and stuff. And I nice. kind of, uh, Ben was always, and this is where I kind of say again with the, him being a role model with like liaisons and stuff and like he'd always be like you're not on the team but you're also a coach and it's like he knew i'd kind of want to come ride at the session he'd be like oh we're gonna have like a dome session but you can come and you can ride and you can kind of help out with coaching like watch what i'm doing and just generally like just have me involved yeah in exactly what capacity was never always clear. Like, it'd be like if I was really feeling riding and if the session was going, like, I'd maybe do a bit more. Or, like, if there was a particularly good coaching session, or you'd be like, oh, Stu, like, come help me with so and so. And so I kind of get involved here and there, yeah. dipped in with a few things. Left uni. Um, I got like an de- indefinite deferral. I can go back if I ever want to, but. I don't see that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I went to Ledger's Alp for summer. Nice. And Joe and Jake Simpson, like (laughs) me, them, Maisie Hill, and a couple of their other French mates from Morsey, basically got this eight, eight of us slept in one bedroom. Wow. bedroom was also the kitchen. Nice. I think we paid like Thanks 200 that, 300 quid for the whole summer for the apartment. That's sick. Like That's each. sick. So I was just like, I finished at uni. I've been working quite a bit on the dry slope. So like, it was like, sweet, I'm off. Like, I'm done at uni. Let's go to Des out for summer. And I didn't work just like, because obviously France, like coaching at that with a level two, you can't do anything. So just went out there and Went snowboarding a bunch, had the actually had the sickest summer. Um, and then came back and then I went out to Hinchtooks pre-season. Nice. And that got involved, that's where I managed to get involved with the shaping. Nice, yeah. Um, and there was a couple, there was like a couple of people I met who worked in the park when I'd been there the previous season. And I kind of said to them, like, oh, can you can you say something to the boss? Because with shaping, I'm like instructing, there's no qualifications. So it's quite difficult sometimes to get your foot in the door. Winter, it's a little bit easier with like Shape Academy and stuff, which is like the Q Parks thing. They'll take people and kind of train you up, but you don't get. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. But again, at the glacier, obviously there's less positions because there's not as many glaciers. <laughs> but I got lucky at that time. Hinchcliffe's Shape team kind of went through a massive. They basically went through all their staff. Yeah. Um, and a couple people I knew worked there and were like oh like get our mate Stu he'll be good like he rides a bit street he built like a garden set up in his garden like he'll he'll he I wrote like and I spoke to the boss and they kind of like yeah take Stu and eventually somebody they said that I had a job then I didn't get the job and then somebody quit and I did get the job Um, so 
Class. But that was sick because then from there, like especially with the Tyrol lift card, which is the season pass that covers Meyerhoff and Hinge to Stubai, mm. like, bunch of places that runs from the first of October to the middle of May. So I'd kind of committed even without the shaping job, I'd come out, but yeah, it worked out. I got the shaping job. Um, so I spent that season shaping pre-season, then the ski school that I'd done a bit of work for the mm. first season, they took me on for busy periods that year. Um, and then, yeah, at the end of that winter, I booked, that was the winter I booked to do the mm. level, level three, three teach and level three tech. Nice. Um, and then rolling into what you were talking about, my level three teach experience and tech experience was I had quite a hard time, even with the gap course, I found on level two, the short turns really difficult. And like, yeah. I ride with my hands quite high up in general. It's not the best style, and but it's just kind of is what it is. And on level three to, sorry, on level two, to really meet what I think level two to me is a very box set, you need to do these yes. exact demonstrations in this way with your hands in this position like this and i found it almost more difficult mm. level three as i've kind of had it explained to me a bit at the time and since is like it's more about how good you are than whether mm. you can specifically do something it's like how well can you ride and it's like suddenly became a little bit more flexibility if you wanted to do a little bit more with your hands that was less of an issue and also just by this point i'd got so much more on snow time like i got two full seasons and like though especially those first two seasons like i was riding like first lift last lift every day for eight months so it's like that's so much more snow time than when I you went got the mileage, yeah. I done three weeks on snow, so it's like maybe it was just a lot of on snow time as well. Mm. But I felt like level three, like obviously tough exam, but in some ways I felt less stressed out. Like yeah, like, I felt like yeah, I, don't know, I, I guess I was just better by that point. So everyone had told me this jump up was way higher and like it was but i think a lot of the people who failed level three like 50 percent of them fail in the park which wasn't yeah. really issue for me who came from a park background and then i guess because i wasn't stressing in the park i'd be like what do we need to do in the park oh i'd kind of done everything i'd be like I could spend instead of other people going through the park, like at the bottom of the park below the jumps, trying to like practice their setup turns. I was sat doing short turns and yeah. carving the rest of the run, and then I'd do whatever I was being assessed on. So it was like I I didn't find the jump up from level two to level three as big as everybody has told me it was going to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and I. Ha- also had like probably two of the best weeks snowboarding ever. Like 
teach was super yeah. interesting. There was like, you're allowed to teach what you wanted. Like, I taught a tame dogs lesson. Yeah, like, man. We got a powder, all the boys in my group wanted to learn tame dogs. And they were like, it's two teachers them. So I taught a tame dog lesson. Like, I don't know, I just found it interesting because you were actually coaching at like everybody's level. And I thought it was really engaging. And yeah, like, I learned a lot about like different exercises and how they could help. Um, and then the tech was super fun as well. Like we got again like late season pow. I mean, you you guys had it as well when you were in Tux. Like yeah. how often snows in on the glacier late April. So we were like shredding pow. Like we had a really good crew as well. Like it was like I don't, you know like Dale Whiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilding, like stuff like well, I don't know. It was just like we had a good crew. Um, like sweets and Kev were there, like examining. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think all, in terms of giving people advice for it, I think the thing that kind of stuck in my head was Lewis and Nico was there as like the overall like coordinator because there was two level threes going and I think yeah. level two. And he came to join in one day and we were doing like kind of medium radius turns in the variables on that steep pitch from the mm. sixth man from the six man chairlift. Yeah, I know which one. Um, yeah, that, yeah. You know, it's like in there, it's like bumpy. And it's like, if you let the board rip, it picks up quite a bit of speed. Yeah. Um, and everyone was kind of like, they're like trying to do like neat, basic turns. And Lewis came down like behind everyone, like did like a huge dog whistle and then dropped in behind everyone. I did it at like three times the speed everyone was doing it. Not out of control, but like kind of almost wheeling out of each yeah. other, like, yeah, <laughs> nice. like take each other, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, Canvas at the bottom, and Lewis was like, I'm questioning, was that at the level? <laughs> and Kev was like, Yeah, I'd say so, higher end at the level, but yeah, that, that level, yeah. And everyone was kind of laughing, thinking Lewis was making a joke, like all two groups. And Lewis turned around, he's like, I'm not being be serious, no, you guys shouldn't be laughing. This is much closer to the level than what you guys just did. Yeah. And it was at that point I kind of got it and I was like, they're not looking for perfection. It's not like the level two where it's like, do this and don't move. It's yeah. like, show us that you can bend the board and that there's response and like, show us you can deal with this terrain at a speed. And maybe you do get out of control you can recover which was actually like last two weeks ago whatever three weeks ago whatever it was that you guys were in tux and i came to do my cpd and join yeah. in and kind of help out and it was actually a comment i think it was reese that made it not barry but i might have that the wrong way he was like sometimes people give up on a turn and he was like it almost shows me more in a way it's like you will make mistakes if you're pushing and you're doing high level stuff and if you can show that you can get set kicked back a bit and recover mm. that skill that is almost what that's what they're, they're looking, looking for, for. Level that they want to see that you're dynamic and that you're adaptable you're yeah i well and as opposed to like a robot and it's like that, and that was the same thing, like, that thing stuck in my head of Lewis, like, flying down the variables. And, like, 
yeah, he was getting chucked around a bit, but he was keeping it composed. He was working the board under him. And I don't know. So I, I had a really fun time because I, I pushed a different side of my snowboarding to like, mm. in my, if I have free rain, I go to the park or I go ride paddle on this paddle. But like, I don't spend time doing lazy turns all the time. Like I do some beast laps here and there, but I don't spend a heap of time, but to be like pushed in a really technical, exciting way, mm. a completely different aspect of my snowboarding. Like I had a really fun too. So, and I think I, I think you learn a lot during that week as well. Yeah, you do. Like, yeah. If you're looking at like, do you book a pre-course? Okay. Yeah. During the pre-course, everything's kind of, there's a bit more time for the mm. trainer to explain stuff to you and you're not maybe as anxious because I know a lot of people are watching these because I live here so I watch these level three exams happen each year I used to work in the park in Tux like right. I watched it happen and people get very stressed out and doesn't necessarily always lead to the best output and it's like okay if you do a pre-course you're then not stressing in the same way and you're just thinking about getting better but if you just go into the level three exam with this is a week's coaching with a basic trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Having time to like... that, if you paid for lessons with any of these people, 400 or 500 quid course fee isn't that much. Like no, except for most people who don't live here like me, you've got to buy a lift pass or hotel and all of this stuff. But like, if you go into it and you're not sure if you're at level, if you just go in with like a, I want to get better. Hopefully I'll meet level. If not, this is going to be a really good week to really increase your knowledge mm. and your riding ability. And then you can, if you don't get it, you go back your own winter, the next winter, you work on what you've got. And by the time you come back the next year, I would say yeah. for most people, you're probably then at the level. Um, but it's like that, Yeah, I know that environment of being forced to do stuff at a certain level, like that pushes you. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's definitely one of those, uh, and like, uh, you know, experience it for myself. It, you get really pushed with all that stuff and it really makes you like just a better rider and just a more knowledgeable rider. And yeah, I came out of it um, just just like, oh, crap, man. Like, I've learned so much. This is, this is ace. I can't wait to kind of just enjoy like figuring out um those little bits and, and whatnot so yeah it was it was i agree i agree on that sense too it's like dead good for sure um but yeah like on that then like in terms of the, the like the tech you've done the tech you've done the teacher and the mountain safety um did you kind of like just crack open the rest of the stuff and then you got your isa kind of what was your plan with that um so i also i missed out the very yeah, also the first Yeah, it was the first season I did. The same year I did the Mount Safety, I did the UK CP level two, because I'm nice. interested in park coaching. And that used to be instead of there's now this coaching course. Mm. So it used to be that. And then one summer, I can't remember if it was the summer after I left uni or the one after mm. that. There used to be the common theory course, which used to run in Scotland, and that was like a week indoor course on like biomechanics, nutrition. That's cool. Um, 
so that doesn't exist anymore either so i did that so i was basically then done with the isa as i say we lived in france when i was a kid so my german's pretty not good so my second i did the second language is french yeah which was sweet i just called that lady had a little chat it was great Um, (laughs) and then did that and then written project i left for a while i'm not particularly like i never disliked school but i don't like doing research and i don't yeah. like particularly like writing open-ended like factual essays um but i kind of gradually gradually worked through that and i did i wrote about like the moving from artificial snow surfaces to snow yeah, I kind of evaluated a couple different dry slope materials and their benefit pros and cons. Then looked at how that affected you as a rider. That's good. They looked at how a coach or instructor could help facilitate that process, which was sweet because I knew a lot of the stuff already because I've been through it and watched the kids I coach go through it. Yeah, and then I interviewed Ben, who I knew and because of his position as somebody who was a development coach moving kids from there to the national team was what he was doing for a living. So it was like, he was very credible. So I just talked to him about it. We kind of asked him what I asked him, what he'd used. We kind of discussed our experiences through the process. And then I had some academic referencing from that and stuff. So uh, I I got there in the end, Uh, but and then I kind of took a bit of a – I had my level three, and then I kind of took a bit of a break. Like, I did a couple seasons coaching for – there's a company called Soul Saver Board Sports mm. based in my office. Some of you probably met people who stayed at Phil Blank, the guy who runs it, has accommodation in Schwendau, like just outside my office. Ah, oh, nice. He, he does accommodation – he always rents his rooms at the end of the season to people on Maisie courses. So that's cool. We end up staying at his, um, but he used to run these. It's actually with the Canadian system because he's qualified with Cassie. Mm-hmm. He used to do these level one and two gap courses, similar to the one I'd done with peak leaders. And I kind of mentioned him after I got my level three. Oh, if you ever wanted to do the same thing, but for Maisie, like I'd love to be involved. Mm. And then as it turned out, one of his coaches broke their collarbone before the the start of the season. And he was like, do you want to do it for the Cassie one? And I was like, I don't have the Cassie qualification. But from what I understand, the Cassie level two is a tiny bit lower in level. I've got a basically three, so I feel relatively confident. But you need to, like, talk me through the teaching theory. The teach theory is a tiny bit different with a different system. Um. So I actually did that. I did two seasons of doing that on that round. Like it was be like a five week course in November, five week course in like middle of March, middle of February to middle of March sort of time. But yeah. I still get a bit of time to ride. And if I did that, like it would kind of cover like just about if I did a bit of extra work in summer, I kind of get by and ride in between. Yeah. Um, so I still got loads of riding time. Um, and that was obviously really interesting. Got to use some more of the higher level coaching stuff I'd done with like my level three qualification. And it was also interesting because 
it was Cassie. They have slightly different emphasis is like they yeah. don't talk much about foot pedaling they talk a lot about like knee steering and like also foot steering which i personally actually kind of believe in it's like it's necessarily yeah. pushing up or down with your feet which i do as well but at the same time if you actually like if you're doing like a toes to heels short turn if you imagine like turning your toes like oh, i don't know if you can see my hands both of these are my feet if you like so if you like almost like turn your toes like yeah so kind of like they have the twist the distance analogy yeah yeah but it like helps increase a bit of rotation and stuff and i quite like this things kind of built around kids don't understand foot pedaling and i'm like if i'm going to teach somebody to turn from their heels to their toes i'm going to tell them lean on the front foot push like eventually you've got to push down onto the your toes as you come from heels to toes but in terms of the initiation of the turn but the, if you look at your turn in like J J turns and T turns, yeah, yeah, like I think that initial like the T turn, the straight to like the heel slip too straight. Mm. I actually think concentrating on pushing your knee towards the nose of the board and then leaning into the circle. Or yeah, like they do a lot of like games where like pretend there's a flashlight on your knee and yeah. you light not where you want to go and stuff. Good, yeah, I quite. I kind of, I now teach a combination. Like I took bits I like from their system and what I like from Basie. And I don't necessarily teach like the whole turn the same. I teach the first half of the turn the Cassie way, yeah. the second half of the turn the Basie way. Cause that's. Yeah. I, I, I find for me, like um, when having, it's really good to use the Cassie system. And just in general, just any other system and like their little bits and how they focus on movement patterns a bit differently is really good when you have like a certain individual who can't really get the idea of foot pedaling. And then like, cool, let's just focus on knees and hips. Let's see how you work with that movement to really focus on steering the board. And then sometimes it's actually better for it. Uh, a lot of the coaching sessions I do, I really focus on like um, those individual movement patterns and then like just breaking it down and then implementing it back into their riding. And like, you know, most of the time you just get people just kind of understanding their snowboard a lot more. They're moving around on, um, on the snowboard a bit more. It's really interesting. This, especially you get a couple of times that I bet you've had this day, people just get those light bulb moments where it just clicks and they're just like, holy crap, I've never thought about it in that way. And then they just kind of go off and ride afterwards. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I agree. It's great when you've got like a tool, like a tool belt. With you've got, if you've got different ways of explaining it, then if they don't get it one way, you move to the other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then so I was doing those, and I was kind of like fairly set up. And like in Austria, it doesn't make any mm. difference if you've got a level three or four. You still can't mm. teach independently. If you want to teach independently here, you need to convert over. Or pre-Brexit, you could be like a British travel ski school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could be here for a certain number of weeks and stuff. But like the level three to level four made no difference. So I was just like, and I wasn't really into, I don't, I'm not into border cross. Uh, like mm. If I wanted to race, I would be a skier. Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of like this whack. I don't want to do this. I tried one year to do a couple races and like one of them worked out because the race was a bit steeper. And then I went to another race that was like quite flat. I obviously refused to do it on a race board because mm. I didn't want to spend a bunch of money yeah. on a race board and then spend a bunch of time getting used to riding a race board. 
And so I, got, I like kind of half tried it one year and I was just like, don't want to spend my time and money doing this. Like, this isn't going to make me a better instructor. This is a waste of time. Um, and then kind of the same with the mountain safety stuff. I was like, I did the pre, like the, the like week training course for the EMS too. Yeah. And you've got to do these six log tours. Right? Yeah. Nobody I know who lives in Meyerhoff and goes and does tours that meet these specifications. And if they do, they do them when it's Bluebird. Yeah. And I, was like, I don't want to, go, I want to give up. If I'm off work, I'm not coaching that day and it's Bluebird. I want to give up like, the best pow, Bluebird pow day of the season. Yeah. Walk around, like, and the people I did know that kind of went ski touring and stuff, they generally go up with the lift and then. Tr- skin longitude like across the way so i was just kind of like oh i don't need this it's not really making a particularly big difference to me Mm. so i kind of didn't make it a big priority and then covid happened i I'm, i'm almost there now so i last summer while i was in australia because of brexit uh, no longer having to meet the French requirements, I got it okay that I could have the same number of FIS points at border uh, cross in an F in a slope style comp, which is what I was always told when I first joined Basie. I was told that this was possible, and everyone quoted Laura Berry. They were like, "Yeah, Laura Berry got it signed off. She had enough FIS points from riding part." And when I asked Basie how many points I needed in watch comp, they went, "No, it needs to be racing." So I was kind of annoyed because I'd yeah. been told I could do it doing one thing. But anyway, that now has changed. And it is, you can do it for freestyle if you get enough points. Nice, um, that's good. Yeah, Point system's relatively good to do them in Australia as well because there's a couple of the really good Australian snowboarders like Valentino Guselli, Matty Cox, have got yeah. really high fist points and the way like an FIS comp works is that the more high level riders there are in mm. the more points are on offer nice and there's also a lot of local Aussie younger kids who just want to kind of get involved with a, their first FIS comp that's good yeah so the standard in a way like the bottom of the standards are low but the high standards high which means there's people you can beat and then the points are offered as like a percentage so if you kind of come in the middle of the field you'll actually get pretty decent points. So I did I did this. I managed to get a day off work and do this FIS, like slope comp at Perisher. Yeah. And I did, didn't ride the very best. The weather was super difficult. I definitely yeah. got way into contest riding as well. It's like I ride that park a lot and I could lace hard runs. But as soon as it's comp, it's flat. Yeah. It's kind of like they put an extra rail feature in and suddenly if you hit that rail, you're going too slow to clear the jump. And I was like, okay, now I see why all the slope kids basically gap over the rail. Yeah. And then, um, and then so got a, it was interesting to do. And I think doing some kind of competition like that, at that level was beneficial because it's like, now if I'm coaching, like I can put myself 
in their in shoes. Their shoes yeah. I understand how stressed you are in the start, start okay, in the in a bib at the top, being told like, cool, wait half an hour, now go hit the jump. The speeds change, you don't know. So I think to expect people to do some kind of competition, I don't think it's unreasonable, but to force you your discipline, I always thought was a bit Yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. But for anybody who's wondering, it is now possible to do it for slope style. Is my yeah, man, that's good. Side so, um, yeah, I did that, and then so at the moment, I've got a couple of I've done some of my tours, but I've still got a couple left, and then I need to do so. I just need to do a couple of tours and then do the mm. EMS assessment, and then I'm done with my ISTD. But I'm now kind of motivated to do it because I would like to be a Maisie trainer at some point. And mm. So I'm like, okay, it doesn't make a difference from mastering rules, but if I'd like to be a Maisie trainer, I need to have a level four. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. Go do a little bit of split boarding. And I, I also, over COVID, got a split board instead of snowshoes. Nice. And I'm now a bit more, got a tiny bit older, I'm more interested in that country. Um, so it's like, I'm, I'm less objectionate. So I'm trying to get that hopefully next winter ticked off um so yeah that's qualification wise um yeah nice man no i'm I'm pretty excited to see how you do um especially with the trainer stuff like i'm i think we're all rooting for you here um with the podcast and in general so yeah we'll we'll come back i'm excited so i'm guessing like um next season you're just gonna bang off those logs and then you can are you gonna try and have a go at the trainer selection um that same season like we'll see over. it depends on it depends if i can get enough log tours done within the time yeah exam because the exam for the mountain safe the the ms normally the last one's in february so yeah. if i can if i get enough winter and i can get enough tours and i have somebody to do them with which hopefully John Marion's now done his level three. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's going to go straight on that. Yeah. He has to do them now as well. So I yeah. hopefully have a friend to do them with. So <laughs> fingers crossed they'll get done. And then the, the, the ones that are still remaining, I've done three. One of them's a little bit dubious on distance. Yeah. But they said, like, if some of them are good enough and some – so some of them are really long, then it should be sweet. And it's not like I've not spent time splitboarding. Like I'm splitboarding to powder jumps, but they're not far enough away. Yeah. <laughs> one, and we go to the same place half the time. So it's like... You kind of know the routes, it's yeah. It's not like I've not done a bunch of touring now. So it's like if I submit one that's a few hundred, like that's 600 metres instead of a 1,000, from what I can understand, as mm. long as you're... That reading and stuff's up scratch should be okay isn't so that's hopefully good. if that's all done then i will then try and get straight on to the trainer selection stuff but we'll yeah nice. see exactly when that happens hey honestly Stu, good luck on that i'm like, definitely excited to see where you're going especially for next season